Kia ora. Welcome to this edition of the Morrisville Baptist Church Podcast. Thank you for connecting with us to discover more about our faith community. Feel free to visit our website at morrislebaptist.com. I hope this message is an encouragement to you. Um, it's really good to be able to carry on this series um, about God's, God's um, uh, big picture. And so we started that last week. Uh, just looking at the creation story. And we're using some material from uh, God's Big Picture. It's a pretty helpful structure. You can find it online if you're so interested. And we're just taking some bits out of that for, as a helpful framework. But it would be good just to open in prayer. And I wonder, Tom, if you'd like just to open in prayer for us. Amen. Thank you, Tom. On there. The sheets on there. Well, I guess part of, of wanting just to, to restart Night Church and just have a, a, a Bible theme, uh, which we'll be doing three weeks out of four. We're going to have a prayer and worship uh, evening, the first, first Sunday of the month. That won't be happening um, at the beginning of June because it's, a, it's Queen's birthday holiday and so it's a little bit hard to do that. So we'll start in July just for prayer and worship night. Um, and the key reasons we're, we're really looking at these things is just to really help people be confident in the Bible and, and the message we have. And I've highlighted up here, it's, about, it's more important we know the whole story of the Bible as I touched on, on last week. And um, part of that is knowing the Father, knowing Jesus, knowing the Holy Spirit, because there's a story about God. And so we want to be confident in knowing that story about God. And then how to read Scripture, we sort of touched on that last week, about can anyone remember where the chapters came from in the Bible? I'll see Genesis, anyone who's here. Probably. Hmm? Genesis, probably. Genesis, probably. Yeah, yeah, but... Uh, Some guy from the 13th century... That's right, yeah. Steve, Stephen Langton, I think. He devised the chapters in the, in the 13th century. And so some of the chapter breaks aren't in very helpful places. Um, but it's good, good to know that the whole story from Genesis right through to Revelation, which is what we want to do, and how to understand that scripture. Some of it's poetry. We understand poetry is quite different from storytelling, isn't it? And so we want to be able to grasp those things and... Now, when Jesus says he's the light of the world, he's not saying he's an electric light bulb, is he? And so we want to understand um, some of those messages um, and what it's saying. And how to apply the gospel message to our whole life. Uh, God gave us some really good news here. And so we want to be able to understand that, appropriate it um, into our lives, every bit of it. And we want to be able to share it, don't we, with other people? Uh, and we also want to be able to 
un uh, answer other people's questions. And that's really important. People have questions for us. And we ought to be able to, to give them an answer as, as best we can um, from Scripture. And so the whole point of this is to try and uh, strengthen our confidence in the Word of God. Is there any other reasons people want to study Scripture? Or these cover most things on here. So the, the whole heart of it is, is, is one of confidence. And so that's what we're, we're here for. And I guess one of the, um, the, the major things on here as well is that um, Scripture is important. And I, we highlighted this Scripture last week from Paul that says all Scripture is God-breathed. It means God guided it. The Holy Spirit was the editor of the Bible, even though it was written by 40 different writers over 1,500 years um, in three different place, places, is that it's been inspired by God, and he's brought that whole story together, and that's why we can understand it as one big story, because the Holy Spirit has been, has been um, guiding the writers, uh, using their own personalities, and when we spoke about this last week, I reminded you, didn't I, that um, uh, when Paul wrote this, the scripture he was talking about was the Old Testament, and so Paul valued the Old Testament, so the Old Testament's really useful for us to li live a godly life. And so that's really important. And so um, I demonstrated everyone here last week is a Bible scholar because I put a verse up here and I think everyone understood it. And so anyone here, just tell me if you can't understand this verse, what it means. This is another one from Paul. Often we have a challenge, not of not what the Bible, um, we can't understand in the Bible, but what we can understand. This verse from Paul's letter to the Philippians do everything without grumbling or arguing. Does anyone not understand what that verse means? You can all understand it? That's good. So we're all Bible scholars here already, aren't we? So that's a really good start. So no matter when you go off, uh, that's one thing we can take out of it so you've understood a verse of the Bible. So that's, that's really, really important. And often the biggest challenges for us are the verses we do understand. It's just we find it hard to put into practice consistently. And that's a real challenge for us. And so just to quickly do a recap from keep going the wrong way, a recap from last week. Those of you who were here last week, or even you might know, can you remember what, what creation looked like as we, we worked through it from chapters one to two? formless and void. And what happened to the creation when, uh, over Genesis 1 and 2? It appeared. It appeared, yeah. It was good. What were relationships like? Yeah, with God. Good relationships with God. Perfect. And with one another. And what the relationships with, with people and, and, and creation itself? All in harmony. All in harmony, yeah. That was a key word, wasn't it? And everything was in harmony, a really beautiful picture we had of creation. And can you remember what the kingdom of God, we, we, we live in a democracy today and it's really hard for us to grasp things like the kingdom of God because we don't live in a kingdom anymore, do we? You know, we may have the queen, but the queen reigns, but she doesn't rule. You know, like in Saudi, we went to Saudi Arabia, the king reigns and he rules. He has absolute power over every decision and what happens to you. We don't have that now, so we live in, in a democracy. 
Do you remember what the kingdom of God, what that kind of means? What we defined it as? Anyone remember? Yeah, that, that's part of it. You weren't here, Karen, but that's not bad. And uh, we'll, we'll cover on the other one. Where was Jesus in chapter 1? Remember, this is what we reminded ourselves. Is that one way to understand the kingdom of God is about God's people living in God's place under God's uh, reign, rule, and blessing. And that's what the kingdom of God is, is a, a, a theme in the Bible. And so in chapters 1 to 2, it looked like this. God's people were Adam and Eve. Where they were living was the Garden of Eden. And that they were living under God's rule and blessing. And that was a real highlight, that the relationships there were really perfect, really good. They all were in harmony. And that's a, a great example of what the kingdom of God is meant to look like. And that was a pattern set there at the beginning. And so, does that look like what it is today? No. And so, obviously, we, we understand something went wrong. The other, the other thing I mentioned last week is, is was that Jesus is, appears in all the scriptures. So that's what he said. He said, um, if you read the scriptures, you'll find me across them all. And can you remember where we found Jesus in Genesis, chapters 1-2? It's the word. word. That's right. And um, here, right at the beginning, in verses 1-2 to two of Genesis, in the beginning, God, and the word there for God is a plural word for God. It means God's, uh, Elohim. And it's really interesting, it's bad grammar if you have a plural noun and a singular verb being created. And that doesn't kind of make sense normally. But here we have God plural. Uh, he created, God created the heavens and the earth. And then the Spirit of God down here was hovering over the waters. And that's how we uh, understand the agent of the Holy Spirit, even at Jesus' baptism, the Spirit of God, Holy Spirit, is hovering over those waters of Jesus' baptism. The interesting thing here about God is I didn't actually put one of them in last week, but L, if the writer had wanted to put, um, M M Moses had wanted to put in just God, he would have used the word L. If he wanted to refer about two gods, he would use the word Elohe. But if you want to speak of, of three or more, use the word Elohim. And that's what we have here. And so God, three persons doing one thing. And that's kind of that unity in there as a singular activity. And that's one of the mysteries here we see of what we call the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Spirit. But there's that work here right at the beginning of creation. The Father, um, the Father created, as he spoke, Jesus of the Word the agent and the spirits hovering over there. So just really beautiful here, um, we see Jesus. And so we want to look out for him in chapter 3, where we might find Jesus um, as well. So we're going to um, read Genesis uh, chapter 3 in a minute. So if there are some volunteers, I might just bring the microphone around, just so it helps people to read. But perhaps we could have someone read the first 12 verses, if there's a volunteer, and then someone could read the next 12 I'll just pass it to Karen. Did you volunteer? And just as as uh, you've got some sheets on your table, just as you go through, I've just listed up some, some questions there. They're on the table as well. Just to help you think about some of the issues as we read through chapter 3. Also just think of the only words that are repeated 
in there as well. That helps us to think about it. Um, there's some questions here about uh, the serpent mentioned as the main character. Adam and Eve are key characters in this, and obviously God as well. And what the consequences are in terms of their relationships here as you just read through the chapter. Who would like to read after Curran? Eh? Would someone like to read after Karen? Okay. Okay, Genesis 3, um, from the New Living Translation I have. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you'll be like God, knowing both good and evil. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful, and its fruit looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were opened, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Who told you when you were naked, the Lord God asked. Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? The man replied, It was the woman you gave me who gave me the fruit, and I ate it. Thanks, Verse 13. And the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle, and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go, and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. Then to Adam he said, Because you have heeded the voice of your wife, and you have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you shall return. 
and Adam called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. Also for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, to know good and evil, and now, lest he put out his hand and take also of the tree of life, and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. So he drove out the man, and he placed the cherubim at the east of the garden of Eden, and a flaming sword which turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. Thank you. Lovely reading. It's both of you. Thank you. And so here we're introduced to the uh, the serpent. I guess here you probably need to understand who the serpent is. So from the, re the rest of the Bible, how would we be able to understand who the serpent is? Hmm? Satan? He's the father of lies. They're giving back to what he's saying to Eve. Yeah. So we, we have, so we understand from Satan. And who, who is Satan? Lucifer. And so what do we know, what do we know about him? Fallen angel. Yeah. angel. Kicked out of heaven. Hmm? He's created. That's a really important point, isn't it? That uh, Satan is actually a created being. And was he alone? Yeah, a third of the a third of the angels seem to go to go with him, and so at this. That's right. Yeah, really be beautiful. Was it the, uh, the star? Yeah, the morning star. That's right. And so sometimes that's one of the reasons why it's really helpful to have a, an understanding of the whole Bible because as we talked about last week, scripture informs scripture and it helps us to build that picture. And so we have this, uh, the serpent here, here, um, and uh, he comes into the garden. And so we know where he came from, because he come, come from heaven. Did he exist before Adam and Eve? Yeah, so, so we know that. And so um, he comes in and starts talking to them. And so how did, he, how did he manage to deceive Adam and Eve? What kind of things did he do? What tactics did he use in terms of God has spoken to Adam and Eve? What tactics did Satan use to actually con convince them to do his word, his his work, he lied. That's right. Yes, the first thing he did was to um, say, "Did God really say that?" To question what God said, what the other. That's right. Did, yeah, that's right. Did God really say? 
What's that doing? Creating doubt. In, in, in who? Yeah. In, in God and in God's goodness. Is God really trustworthy? And so he's sowing that seed of doubt there right at the beginning. And that's an important thing, isn't it? And being able to see through that, that that's what he does. And then what else does he do to, to God's word? right and so he subtracts something from God's word what what did Satan try and remove from God's word the penalty, the penalty. Yeah. and what, what was that death. Death. death that's right thank you Catherine so he said you're not going to die what did God's word say you will surely die that's right and so he does something else with God's word. What else does he do? So he gets them to doubt. He takes something out of God's word. He makes them think that God's depriving them of something. Mm. Well, he's unsettling them. He's wanting them to desire something. Mm. But what does God, what, what does um, the serpent add to God's word? And so we, we read it, that's right, thank you. We read in here um, his sa sa uh, tactics. Did God really say? Get us to doubt God's word. Get Adam and Eve to do that. You won't die. He took away from God's word. And then he added to God's word, you will be like God. Mm. Yes, Catherine? Just a point I've just noticed, and that God actually agrees with that. Um, and although we can become you know, exactly like God, God himself says that they have now become like one of us. I've not seen that before. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Anyone want to add on that? Adam? He said that um, they will be like God in, in, in terms of living in eternity. I think that mm. part of that will be they'll be like God in terms of having an eternal, eternal life because their life is linked to the Bible. So Satan convinces them He'll be like God. But can they really be like God? No, because who, who, who created all things? God. So we can't create, can we? So Adam and Eve would not be able to create. But I think, Catherine, the point you're making there in, in Scripture, which is a good one, is, hey, if they carry on in here, then sin is going to be eternal. God acknowledges, uh, God acknowledges that now that they know, I mean, they're like God in only a tiny bit, mm. not the whole mm. thing that God is, yeah. but in this one area, knowing good and evil, yeah. they are like God. So Satan used enough of the truth, but he, but he said it in a way that brought great, um, what's the other falsity? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Thank you, Catherine. Richard, I think on the fact that Satan uses here, that I've always noticed, is for better or, <coughs> for better or worse, he didn't come with horns and a pitfall. He came with the shrewdest of all the wild animals. So, and that's what Satan does. He, he comes as something that looks good and it's not, and that's exactly what he did right in the very beginning. 
he came as one of the shrewdest wild animals. So he didn't say, here I am Satan, I'm going to tempt you. He, that's what he does. And that's, yeah, that's, that's really important because you go to Revelation and um, we'll have a picture of, of a dragon that looks like a lamb. <laughs> Speaks like a dragon, looks like a lamb. Deceiving. And so that, that's right. And so it's, it's far easier to tell half-truths than outright lies, isn't it? We can often spot an out, outright lie, can't we? But if you mix some truth into it, sometimes you get some credibility. And it sounds reasonable. And so, yeah, exactly, a lot of the, what, what um, um, the serpent is doing here sounds quite reasonable. And these high pressured Satan thinks as weak as if he's like an authority on. Satan seems to speak as if he's like an authority on God. He says, Well, God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened. Um, as if he knows God intimately. That's right. And so he's claiming to be a lot more than he really is. And that's right. And that, that's good. And so that, that's really important. And so when he convinces them, what we find in the passage then, the harmony that we read about last week is suddenly replaced by fear. They were afraid. There's a shame. They're hiding. There's a guilt that they know that they've done something wrong. And what does Adam do straight away? Blames, Blames his wife. That's right. So is that a typical man, is it? <laughs> is that, that, that sin is carried upon? Uh, I don't know. Who heard your finger? <laughs> I think <laughs> and so, and then who does Eve blame? The serpent, yeah. And so the blame game starts straight away, doesn't it? No one wants to, to take account. And so quickly we've got conflict. And then we're going to start having some pain. And that's going to be leading to death. And so we have here just a, a classic way of, the, of Satan just being subtle in trying to break our relationship with God. And as a result, being made in the image of God has been marred. And instead of being in that perfect harmony with God, we experience all these consequences now. And that's what Adam and Eve experienced. And do people here, have you ever felt shame? Guilt? Have you ever been fearful? Yeah. Anyone never been in a conflict with someone else? <laughs> That's all. Yeah. What about you, Amelia? Have you ever had any conflict with someone else, or you, when you haven't got on with someone? Yeah. You have, yeah. So even Amelia here, yeah, had the same. Has anyone not not experienced pain? Yeah, I know what it's like, Amelia. With my finger last week. Yeah, and so we've all we've all experienced these the same things, Adam and Eve. Have experienced. We'll come on to, on to death, you know, um, shortly. And so we have this this story here, and the relationships go awry. And we also have here um, when God God um, curses the serpent, and then 
he tells Adam and Eve of the consequences of, of their sin. There's an interesting thing in here is what becomes painful? Childbirth becomes painful. What else is it? Working, yeah, that's right. So, especially the farmers out there, you, you know what that, that's like sometimes. Hard work out there. And lots of weeds in the ground, probably as well. We all, we all get that. And so, and so the relationships between Adam and Eve, what does that kind of look like? Conflict, that's right. And one of the. And it says in and it says uh, here in verse uh, 15 I'll put enmity between you uh, that's the wrong one sorry that's the one here I will greatly increase your pains in childbearing uh, with pain you will give birth to children and your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. And so, again, we talked about that, that, that harmony of relationships last week. And there's an unusual word here which says your desire for Eve will be for your husband. And that word desire also will appear in the next chapter, in chapter 4, when um, God tells Cain that sin is crouching at, at your door and desires to overcome you. It's the same word. And in one sense, there's a, it means that Eve would have a desire to have dominion over her husband. And it says, he will rule over you. So there's conflict in their relationships already in that curse. Is that um, uh, the, the word rule is in one sense will be, be a, a harsh rule. And that there'll be a challenge in that. So there's a real competition then in relationship. And so these things go on all out of this, this encounter here. And so over the next, the next um, uh, seven chapters, I think it is, we have a whole heap of things happening. And obviously we don't have time to look at those tonight, but just to highlight some things here. And so this encounter in the garden starts to see sin and death multiply. What started with Adam and Eve in there, in chapter 4, the sin of the first man results in the second man killing the third man. And who killed who? Yeah, Cain, Cain and Abel. Um, and that's pretty quick. And then chapter 5, there's, um, you know, some of us struggle genealogies, reading through the genealogies, you know, through, especially through the Old Testament. And they're kind of hard, but there's some real gems in there. But you, you know, it's like anything. If you look for treasure, it's often hard work digging. Um, in the, and there are some gems in the genealogies. I did, I did tell, I told someone earlier that we were doing a study on genealogies tonight. <laughs> they looked horrified. Um, did they come? Eh? No, but they're still here. <laughs> but in chapter five, we have death, and it gives a list of, of some of the descendants, and it says at the end of each each uh, verse, and then he died. Eight times we see death coming in. The only one was, was well, it doesn't happen, it was Enoch, Enoch. And then by chapter 6, the Lord is grieved and healed. 
we get an idea of God's pain. God's not removed from his creation. God was grieved about what he saw, what was happening. Because as Adam and Eve were removed from the Garden of Eden and out there, um, and as uh, people multiplied, violence spread too, and wickedness, and it says because of the evil hearts of people, the hearts have become evil. And so we see that in, in chapter 6, and there's hope there because someone was walking with God. And so there wasn't many. But God saw Noah, who walked with him. And one of the interesting things here, in this really sad episode between chapter 6 and 9 about Noah's flood, is that in one sense we have judgment and salvation going together. And what happens is um, God judges the world. But he rescues who? Noah and his family. And so as judgment happens, salvation comes to Noah and his family and to part of creation. And that's in one sense a bit like the gospel message too. Is when we accept the gospel message, we're accepting judgment on us now. We're saying, God, forgive us. And the good news is that he will give us salvation. And so we see that happening. And there's still sort of a lot of issues going on here. And in chapter 8, there's Noah after the flood has to give sacrifices, which God responds to. And then there's a, a covenant renewed. And the same command that goes out from, from Genesis, at the end of Genesis, be fruitful, multiply, and rule, goes, goes out um, to, um, uh, to Noah and his family and their descendants. But there's a difference here than from the beginning. What kind of, does anyone know what kind of differences were happening now, from now on? Is that some of the harmony that we saw in the beginning wasn't there in creation anymore? They started eating meat, so God gives them meat. Yeah. Yes, it's 120 years. That's right. Anything else? Yeah, we've very much got sin, sin and death in the world. And then, uh, so we have that. Um, but God, no, who's the rainbow for? There's a rainbow in the sky. God, that's right. For God to remember. And so, what, what, so God won't flood the world again. And that's his promise, isn't it? In the midst of all these things happening. And so Noah's family spread out. And then we come to, to chapter 11. Have you all heard of the Tower of Babel? Have people heard of that? When the language is spread. And, uh, and this is where God gets a little bit fed up. I think, again, we've been pretty fed up a, a number of times of us, but in his patience, um, he's still given us uh, life. Is that uh, at that moment of pride, is that there, what's mankind trying to do? They're trying to build a kingdom and show how good they are. And God says enough. And so he divides their languages. And they split out and spread out so that you don't have one big kingdom but lots of small kingdoms happening on. And so sin and death go out across the nations. And the world's in a mess. And because um, some angels, Satan and his dem demonic um, uh, angels are with him, and man mankind reject the will of God. 
as ruling over their lives. We don't want it. And so we see these problems going on throughout the world. And so a lot of the challenges that we face today aren't that different. The, um, and, and so when we think about um, how we've all, all come to be, the world, what does the world look at in terms of uh, how we've come into being? The world looks at evolution, doesn't it? Who's, who's at the top of, top of the pecking order? Yeah, man. But in, in, in God's worldview, who's actually top of the creation order? Yeah, but God is the creator. So who's the top of the created beings? Eh? The angels. Yeah, that's right. So yeah, Adam and Eve at the beginning of, of, of humanity, but God obviously created other beings before us, and that in many senses are superior to us. Intelligence, strength, speed, as an example. So and it says in Hebrews, again, the angels are above us, you know, and creation is below us. And that's God's order of creation. Does that make sense? It's a bit hard to talk about angels, though, isn't it? It's hard to talk about other people. Certainly, a lot of people believe, yeah, believe in spirituality, don't they? Yeah. yeah. And do you think more than half the people would believe in some kind of spirituality? Half people in the world would believe in some kind of spirituality, or, or not? Yeah. 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 The different side from us who are Christians and believe in the Word of God, we speak about angels, and, and even in the New Testament, it says that. And, and all, yeah, and angels and all kinds of things. So, mm. yes. so um, the angels, were they created? Yes. So, how did your complete entry come around? Um, between the angels, uh, between creation and uh, humanity's crea um, creation, yep. but are angels' creation? They're part of God's creation. And so we're not told about that at the beginning of Genesis, are we? No. And so that's one of the reasons why we need the whole Bible. But the Bible doesn't just give us a whole breakdown, does it? Doesn't, there's no section in the Bible we read up looking at the angels and where they came from. But there are, there are bits here and there that help us put that puzzle together. That, that Satan and his, his angels are, are simply created beings, but they're smarter than us in terms of power and intelligence. 
uh, but they're real. So, what was the, um, how, how did the falling of the angels, so the angels were created, mm -hmm. okay, um, as men um, um, fell, okay, and sinned, obviously, um, is a good part of the angels fell too. Yeah, the angels fell beforehand, yeah. and we get a hint of that in like Second yeah. Peter. And in Jude, they give us some glimpses of, of that. And Jesus will say, you know, of Satan, he was the father of the lies, and he was a liar from the beginning. In there. So there's all these kind of scriptures around the place that provide us the hints of what went before. And so we understand that there is there's a spiritual realm, there's a there's a kingdom. And this comes back as well to the fact that Satan has a kingdom. And so what's, what's some of Satan's titles? Anyone know? Lucifer. That's his name. Father of lies. Yeah, ruler of ruler of darkness. Yeah, the prince of this world. The ruler of this age. So what does that tell you about Satan's power? He's got a what? Yeah, and he's got a kingdom. And so Satan, so Satan offered the kingdom of earth to Jesus, didn't they? Before Jesus comes and sharing that good news of us, Jesus has an encounter with Satan. And Satan says, hey, you follow me? You can have this kingdom. Jesus doesn't say, ha, 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 don't be stupid. You can't give me what you don't have, does he? No. And so Satan has a, for a time, and that's important, it's for a time, he has his own kingdom. And so his kingdom, he's, uh, and, and his angels are about his business. And so he tried to convince Adam and Eve, you want your own kingdom. You'll be happy. Right? You'll do, be able to do whatever you want. You're going to have real freedom. Isn't that going to be nice? And so, Satan wants Adam and Eve to believe that they can have their own kingdom. That they can rule their own lives. Be captains of their own destiny. And so, um, and so, and so these are some of the, the challenges that we face. And you think why there's so many problems in this world is that one, that there is a kingdom that Satan has, but also the consequences of Adam and Eve is that everyone else wants their own kingdom too. And so all the troubles in the earth are not caused by God, because we often blame God, don't we, for every single problem, or, we, or something goes wrong. We blame God. But actually, the, the conflict that happens is either something to do with Satan and his kingdom, or people. What kind of kingdoms might we create here among us? Social media. Social media. We can have a social media kingdom where we can be God on social media. We can have our own private TV channel. Wealth. Yeah, wealth can create a kingdom. We can have a kingdom, there's nothing wrong now with any of these things, okay? We can have a kingdom where we decide sometimes to set up our own business. 
we'll put our name on the business. As it grows, we'll buy bigger cars and bigger premises and uh, we can become really content with what we've got in our kingdom and think we don't need anything else. Actually, we can have kingdoms in, in, in our households. Have you thought of that? Family nests can be a kingdom. Right? And our whole focus becomes on that. And obviously, nations can have kingdoms, can't they? And so when kingdoms come together, when they clash, what happens? Conflict. Absolutely. And so our culture today, the biggest uh, thing is everyone, you know, the biggest drive in our culture is do whatever you want. Be your own kingdom. And so we just look at social media. What happens on social media if someone puts a statement up about a particular situation? I'm really for something. People like it. People like it. Or? Or share it. Share it. And what do some other people do? So criticize as well, yeah. And so some of the criticism, it's pretty bad, isn't it? All you do is make a statement about something, and sometimes if it's controversial, uh, even just from some, you know, the Israel and, and Palestinian situation, you put a comment on there one way or the other, and it creates a whole heap of, of uh, venomous responses on there from people you don't know. And so the, the, the mess in, the, in this whole world is actually caused by us thinking, uh, wanting our own kingdom to dominate other kingdoms, whether that's personal, in our own lives, and we want sometimes want our business to succeed or our household to look better than other households or whatever it might be. Okay, and at a national level, it's we want our way over your way, and it creates conflict. And so, so many of the problems we have in the world is caused by that. Isn't it? So either Satan's work going on or our own kingdoms create the conflict. And that's the real answer to why the world is such a mess. Because we've rejected God's rule and his blessing to be under his kingdom to create our own. So what Satan told Adam and Eve has come right through to us today as well. And that's our greatest problem, the kingdom of self. And that's a real challenge. And so we, and, um, that's one of the things we need to be aware of. We challenge things. So um, we also see some of his, his, his tactics today of, of Satan that come into our lives. We know that we've already talked, he's the father of lies. You know, and uh, often some of his, his you know, he loves the darkness. You, know, you read about um, when Judas went out, you know, to betray Jesus. It says it was dark, it was night, and we see that so many times. And um, I remember an old town in Camden, in England. We had a group of street angels. They're called street angels, and they went out because there were lots of pubs and nightclubs, and so so many people fall out the pubs at one, two in the morning, intoxicated, you know, and obviously you know, influenced by drugs unable to look after themselves, some of them are half-dressed, no shoes, lying on the floor, and these street angels will just go around the street and just protect them and help them, sit them up, give them some warm clothing, give them some water, and just make sure that they can get home safely. But you see such a group of people 
who look so, so messed up and uh, in the middle of the night. And so many of these things happen in that darkness where you see uh, people using drink and drugs and other things in the dark. And Satan's in that, he's loving it. And so he, he operates in hidden ways. This is just one example. And uh, you, if you want to see it, you go out into a town at night time, you know, in the early hours. Division, the easiest way, you know, to divide an enemy is to, is to, um, uh, to conquer an enemy, is to divide them. And he loves that doing in churches. He wants to see us divided and offended, create conflict. Uh, and um, where those lies get in, it causes division. And ultimately, slavery and bondage. And Jesus came to bring us truth. It brings unity and freedom. And so we can see the opposite of that. And so um, division is a big thing. Disease. Uh, some of the diseases are attributable to, to Satan's attacks on people. Jesus spoke of, of the woman he healed on the Sabbath and said, should this woman not be, who'd been bound by Satan, not be freed? Job, we get those stories. It doesn't mean that all sicknesses, but some are. And then death here. Again, don't mean here uh, physical death. We're talking here about spiritual death too. Satan wants us to feel a deadness towards God. Be dead to God. Do you remember the story of the prodigal son? He goes off, has a good time, partying, nightclubs, all the stuff. He realises perhaps it wasn't such a good idea and he's in such a bad situation. He wants to go home. And what does his father say when he comes back? Welcome home. But what did he say of his son? Anyone remember? Yes. So my son was dead. Now he's alive. He become alive to God again and realize his real situation. Satan wants us to feel dead to him. And so we have many people outside here feeling dead to God. And so that's part of his tactics to make it hard to share the good news. And so we need to be aware of those. He's doing the same thing. And um, this one other questions on here. And just just going back to the Garden of Eden, why um, why was it so wrong that Adam and Eve took the fruit? He said not. So it wasn't but it wasn't just breaking the commandment. It was something more. What would Adam? What were Adam and Eve essentially doing? Not just breaking a commandment, but. There was all the yeah, lack of faith is really key. That's right. But they also decided we will make our own laws, our own commands. It's part of being God. And see, the, the reason we can be confident in this world and all the sciences that are around that tell us how things work is because God is a lawgiver. And so we have confidence in the way things work in this world. And suddenly Adam and Eve here are saying, well, we'll make our own laws, be our own gods. And that was the wrong thing, was that they wanted to become the law makers. And God says no. So we've just uh, talked about men and women, the relationship today is we have equally, equally bad challenges, don't we, in our relationships with men and women? You think? Yeah. Yeah. And obviously we're talking in the world generally. Our relationship with creation, is that all, all going well? 
No, the world is really concerned, isn't it? The world is terrified that this earth is dying and we've got to do something to save it, looking for a solution, because we know it's gone wrong. And what's the relationship like with God in general? Broken. And so, but there was, there was hope in chapter 3, wasn't there, of Genesis? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll come to the seed in a minute, that's right. But God clothed them, didn't he? He didn't wipe them out. <laughs> that's right. So there are signs of hope there that God still cared for his people, even though that uh, what had gone wrong. And so, and so God, although he, the relationship was broken, he didn't, he, didn't, uh, he didn't finish them off. And so we just talked about the seed there. So where is Jesus in, in chapter 3? I think it's 15. Verse 15. I think, yeah, I think you, most of you will know this. Is the Lord God says to the serpent, I'll put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and uh, offspring is another word for seed and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. And so there would be enmity in terms of physical descendants from Cain. You saw, saw that happening already. But this was a looking forward, wasn't it? And so, yeah, this is pointing to, to a future. And so Satan is more powerful than us. And so the New Testament talks about a strong man. And, no one's, and we, someone needs to overcome the strong man. And so part of Jesus' mission was to do that. And so him coming into this world, Satan would strike at Jesus. But Jesus would crush him. And Jesus began that process of a victory at the cross. But it will not be consummated until his return. Where he comes back as king to rule as well as to reign. That's a bit future. So Jesus here, right at the beginning, is that God had a plan. That even though things had gone wrong, that he had a plan even then, and actually before then, that God knew what would happen. Why didn't God just um, stop any of this happening? Why didn't he just put a, put a, a big wall around the, the tree of, um, of, of, of knowledge and evil? That's right. Because... If we don't have that, where is love? Love gives choice, doesn't it? You imagine, um, and we've, many of us here will have children, have had children, so not everyone here. But if you knew your children would hurt you in the future, would that stop you having children? 
No. Because you want to do that, because the love, oh sorry, the love outweighs the potential for pain. And so God in his love gave us that choice and that free will. And even though we decided to build our own kingdoms, that didn't stop God and his love for us finding a solution. And so, time um, is, uh, there's a couple of things just to finish with. Um, is Jesus emphasizes some of this stuff about the kingdoms, that the problem of the world is these kingdoms. And his blueprints there in the Lord's Prayer, our Father in heaven, that's God. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's bringing the kingdom of God on earth into our places of those who follow him. And when we do that, that's where God's rule and blessing happens. So when we're following God, that way we experience his blessing as his people. And so God here is personal God, our Father. He's not some impersonal force or someone unknowable. I mean, isn't the word Father beautiful? It may not be beautiful for some people who've had a bad father in this life. And that's hard. It's going to be hard for some of those. But God has revealed himself in a relational sense to say, I care. And even though earthly fathers may experience shame, guilt, conflict, and cause pain to the human, our heavenly father is not like that. And so God is personal. And he ends here. And I guess one of the things Satan likes to do is, is for him not really to be seen, to be hidden. And so some Bible translations deliver this last, uh, read this last verse, says, these not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. Evil is not a force. Evil is done by people or beings. It doesn't exist like Star Wars, some kind of force. And so the correct thing here in reading the Lord's Prayer is deliver us from the evil one. And so that's part of God's plan, is that to walk in his kingdom, he will protect us from the kingdom of Satan. By doing his will, looking to him, relying on, daily rich, relying on God, and saying, you know, we need him to flourish, not our own kingdom, but making sure that our relationships are healthy, and that when we're struggling, we look to God for his strength. And so recognizing that both God is personal, Satan is personal. And he doesn't want people to believe that. He'd rather people just think there's some kind of evil force. And so all the conflict, all the things happening in the world are either because of Satan and his kingdom or us wanting to live our own lives independently of God and creating our own kingdoms. And so uh, going to the final one here, the kingdom of God. We've talked about it being God's people. God's place and where God's rule and blessing exists and so here we went from like the, the pattern of the kingdom last week which is good, God's people it was Adam and Eve last week now they're being banished from the garden he doesn't in a sense have a people they're banished from Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve are banished from the garden and so they're out there into the world 
and there's disobedience and, and curse happening there. And so the world looks a real mess. And but God's got a plan. And that starts from chapter 12 or Genesis next time. It's God's plan there of a promised kingdom to come. And that starts with one man called Abraham. And how God's plan to restore us. And so, yeah, this, this is a sad thing. You just think if Adam and Eve had owned up in the garden and said, yes, God, we've messed up, how would God have responded? We'll never know. Okay. But the heart here is that under the fall here, when anyone asks, like, why the world is in a mess, it's because of people. The kingdom of self. <coughs> And there is another spiritual kingdom, a kingdom of Satan. And we need to be aware of that. But God's got a plan, hasn't he? And that's where our hope comes in. And God's already reaching out. Even in the, the darkness of chapter 3 of Genesis, God is reaching out. There will come a seed, a promise, that will address this. And so we come to that next week. So the kingdom of God here. At this point in Genesis 3, looks really sad, doesn't it? But God is good, and we'll see that. Any questions as we just finish? Anyone want to add anything? Grace, actually, give you the microphone. So what about, um, I suppose, impersonal horrible things that happen, earthquakes, floods, tsunamis, yeah. Well, what does the Bible, the Bible say that the earth is groaning? Mm -hmm. Is that the sin that happened in the garden affected all creation? Mm -hmm. We were told at the beginning, we see that with, with Noah, is that man in, in the garden of Eden, what do they eat? plants, vegetables. At the time of Noah, what, what are they eating? Meat. And so things have changed there. There's a dynamic change. And Paul says the earth is groaning too because of the sin. This creation is groaning. And so we live in a world where the grass, uh, sorry, where the, the earth is um, suffering, where we have thorns and thistles and weeds. We just find them in abundance, don't we, in, the, in our gardens. But there is a curse on the ground as well. And so God has this picture that he's going to change that too. The new heavens and the and new earth. Does that answer your question? And anyway, if anyone else has got any other words, you know, it's, it's, it's not just me, we're all, we're all learning together. Julie. With earthquakes and floods, um, I think that's also coming to the fulfilment of the end of this age as well, because it's prophesied that, in, you know, obviously particularly in Revelation, but also in Isaiah, talks about the earth rearing um, and you know the mountains quake and, and fall to the ground. So, it, and Jesus does tell us that there there will be an increase in all of these things before He returns. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he talks about, you know, he gives the, the childbirth analogy, doesn't he? There's going to be growing birth pains. 
you know, before the, the, the baby or the new kingdom is born. Thank you, Richard. Um, we just go back to with the whole world was created. When the earth was created, it was created without sin, without any natural disasters, all those type of things. But when the earth was cursed, these things started coming upon the earth. It's part of God's curse upon the world. It will become a new heaven and a new earth will be created after Jesus comes back again. And so th this is all part of just being able to talk to people. People say, well, why is the world in a mess? How can God let these things happen? Uh, there is an answer. Uh, we don't have all the details. But God has given us that framework to know why the world is the way it is. And no one else has an answer, do they? You can go to any of these religions or anywhere else. No one has a satisfying answer as to why the world is in the way it is right now, other than when we go to Scripture, which explains why it is the way it is and what God is doing about it. And that gives us hope. If we want to talk to people, we want to talk to families. You know, why are you blaming God? Uh, people are quick to blame God, but when something goes well, how many of them actually, um, how many times do people actually thank God? Or praise God? The good things? It's always in a, in a negative sense. And so, because of the, of the chapters to come, we know that this isn't the end of the story. Right? Things started well. Things are just nosedive today, and, but things will get better. And so that's our heart, and that's a story we continue on. Is God's plan to make things right and to overcome, come, uh, to overcome uh, what we've done. And so that's good news. And it's because of God's love, it's God's grace that He's doing this. And we can be confident in that because God Himself takes a personal, uh, takes a, uh, enters the story Himself. just thinking um, with the great flood um, the Bible teaches us that it was raining for 40 days and 40 nights but it, it, it states clearly that the earth also opened up and the water came from down so God created uh, the plates of the earth but by cursing the earth with the great flood he opened up these plates and with the time that came and everything that man is doing to the earth um, it just opens up further and I am personally sure this is where more and more vol volcanoes come from and it is prophecy as Julie says in the word and that just um, it just escalating the whole time thank you We'll close that. We might have next time around have some more, a few table discussions as well. I think just to bring in that more sort of personal sort of um, interaction too. But thank you for everyone's contributions tonight. Karen, I was going to say that the, the good news is that that in the end, God's people will be in His new world mm. um, under His rule and blessing again. Mm. It will all His story is that's the, was the beginning and that will be the end. And yeah. in between is that's right and so the hope starts next week because we get the promised we're going to look at the promised kingdom under Abraham that God
God promises one man, um, which is uh, pretty amazing. Foster, I just wonder if you'd like just to, to close in prayer for us. Lord God, um, we come tonight hunger and thirsting for your word to, um, to be fed by, um, by the same forces that created the world and the universe, the same force that holds it all together. Thank you, Lord, that that's available to us. And Lord, I just pray that uh, as we go out today, um, for this, as we, if this is the first day of the week, um, Lord, as we go about our business this week, that we um, we remember that we are um, people of your kingdom. And Lord, we pray your um, your blessing on um, on your word that's been spoken, and um, that we will work out for this week. So thank you, everyone. And uh, I said, if anyone has any ideas, I'm happy to just bring more interaction in. So that's really important. Um, encourage that.